Well, it took playoffs for me to finally hit my stride in the pick game. I mean, JB, look, I, I'm sorry I embarrassed you so much in the ECAC picks. Let, let's take a look at how that went this weekend. I, I say the, I'll say the Mustangs win this one 45 to 28. Here, I agree with you. Morrisville wins this game 45 21. Let me give WJ the upset here, uh, or what I would call the upset at least, by the score of 34-30. Um, I'll take the Bombers in a lower scoring affair, let's say 27-20. to 20. I'm going to pick the Tornadoes to whirl through the Tartans' uh, defense early on here. By the score of 27-25. Yeah, why not? Let's go with the Tornadoes to uh, to sneak by um, the Tartans, uh, let's say, 24-21, to 21, just like the uh, Case Western game. But I'll take the Engineers in this one. A low, uh, let's say, 32 to 28. That I have to go with Grove City here. Tesla's likes 49-39 in favor of Grove City. Okay, uh, three and one versus one and three. I think that speaks for itself, JB. So let's uh, get going here. Uh, uh, hold it there. Hold it there, uh, Frank. Uh, you you kind of conveniently left out the fact that you picked a game, uh, you picked a team to win a game in another bowl, and they lost by 64 points. That might be one of the worst picks in the history of our show. Just saying. You mean this? Uh, I am not a believer in the Centennial Conference this year. I, I think it's actually an indication that Susquehanna did what they did, that it may be actually a somewhat down year for this conference. And as such, I'm going to say right. that uh, that's Wilkes wins this game 31-27 is uh, my score for that one. Something like that, yeah. Why, 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 why couldn't you just, you know, let me start the show feeling good? You know, you go into the intro slides where I'm, you know, presiding over your wedding and everything. I mean, what kind of friend are you, JB? I mean, seriously, I, 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 I don't, I just don't get it. Why would you do that to me? I mean, I did gain one game on you this weekend at least, so now I'm down four, and yeah, just one. There are seven playoff games uh, left. Is that uh, no? Actually, let's see. Eight, four, two, one. So there's 15 playoff games left if we go predict the rest of them. So I still have a chance. Okay. A snowball's chance in hell. But anyway, uh, let's start this <laughs> because we got some playoff games and bowl games to talk about in what we're calling week 12 of In the Huddle.
Okay, JB. I can't believe you did that still to me. Whatever. For uh, those wondering uh, how this week's going to run for us, uh, we have uh, today's show, which is being released on a Monday. Hey! Uh, we're recording Sunday night, in case you couldn't tell by the darkness in each of our rooms. We are not vampires, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. JB, this is past your bedtime, so we're going to hurry this one along. Yeah, and uh, Wednesday, we're going to have a very special show. We're not going to even tell you who our guest is and uh, you know what we have planned, except for we will be doing our Tales of the Tape, which you all love, the previews of the playoff games. We'll talk briefly about who's left in this. <laughs> is that your boxing pose? <laughs> This is why it was football for you, not boxing in college, obviously. Yeah, exactly. And none of the above for me. And I, I, you know, I, I saw the uh, photo, which is in our intro, of me wearing the helmet uh, with the chin strap still done up around my eyes, basically. And I realized why I didn't play football today. Uh, our guest on Wednesday actually said to us, with that photo, uh, our schools will actually take us out of the alumni uh, you know, materials for donations, etc. They might. They might. They might. But uh, he's got a good sense of humor, and you'll see more of that on Wednesday, hopefully, as long as uh, it occurs the way we think it will. Week 12, playoffs week one, whatever you want to call it, in the books. Uh, here's your 30-second view, uh, because I think you're tired enough to make it only 30 seconds tonight, uh, as <laughs> yeah. to what it all means. Go ahead. Well, I think the main thing that stood out to us, Frank, was how strong the uh, Centennial Conference looked <laughs> in this uh, first round of postseason games. That and the pack, uh, both of those conferences kind of overperformed based on what we thought uh, might go down. Uh, but as far as the playoffs, I think the games kind of went the way we thought they would. Union took a little while to get things going. Uh, I was a little nervous for you there um, during the, the Bracket Blitzer show. Uh, you 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 kept it professional, but I imagine you know you were probably in the back of your mind going, "Come on, guys, let's let's get things going here." Twenty-one to three, the upset alert was tagged on that one early on, uh, but otherwise, I think, um, <laughs> yeah, that uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We might talk about that in the uh, in the Wednesday show. Uh, I think I think Susquehanna was trying to send a message to the uh, NCAA's for leaving them out of the field of 32. They did uh, have a close loss to to Muhlenberg, which won 38 to nothing uh, over MIT in round one, and will now host Crockport in round two. Yeah, 88 points. That was uh, that's uh, yeah, exactly. I can't even rip it out Not correctly. Really. I couldn't even get the score and the rip out of this. It's still haunting me. <laughs> damn shame. Are you kidding me? Okay. Well, yeah. I, I guess I I'll be River eating Hawks my words. To, yeah. I think the Riverhawks are trying to, to say something there. That's a little above and beyond. Um, but, hey, I mean, it is hey, what the, it is. In the bright side, Brevard appreciated our picks. <laughs> they uh, tweeted and yes. Facebooked us. Yeah, so it was the only ECAC bowl game I got right. So thankfully we threw that one in there, even though technically it was the South region bowl. Uh, but Hey, we, uh, we appreciate the tornadoes and 30 years ago. Carnegie Mellon on that one, to be honest, I really thought you were going to go Carnegie Mellon. I watched the playback uh, that they uh, put up there too. And I was like, boy, he's going to go that way. I know he's going to, okay, maybe he's not. Anyway, um, let's change it up. Let's uh, talk about all these games. Uh, we'll start with the bowl games and then work our way up to a crescendo of the playoff games from the NCAA. Yeah. So, JB, you know what time it is. 
it is. Well, I, I see we can't call playoffs week one technically because of all these bowl games. Is, that's actually one reason why we do call week twelve. Now that I'm remembering why the nomenclature exists the way it does, uh, there's one of those big words. Yeah. Uh, six minutes into the show, why don't we go here? Uh, we are doing crunch time for week twelve. Let's start with the New England Bulls. And we're going to start with actually Western Connecticut at WPI. I might have uh, kind of missed uh, on the WPI defense's prowess in this game when I predicted, but I still get credit for the game. Yeah, just a little bit. They win the game 35-6. to Let's look at some clips, and actually it's going to be all the same guy. Connor Field with the hat trick first. The only score in the first half was WPI's Connor Field three-yard touchdown run at 9.23 left in the second quarter, make it 7 to nothing. Then fast forward to the third quarter, and hey, there's Connor Field one more time. 12.22 left, and he made it 14-0 with his one-yard run. And then in the fourth quarter, 13.30 left, he gets his hat trick with a six-yard TD run, and he'll help make this score 35-6. The 10th win for WPI is the first time in 130 seasons. Congratulations, congratulations, he said. And Sean McAllen, uh, you know, the Thunder-Lightning uh, combination that they really uh, posed there, had his own uh, touchdown and 164 yards of rushing for him. He breaks the rushing record at 3,878 yards and named game MVP, even though Connor Field had the hat trick. Go figure that one out. That tells you just how good they really are, both of them. Congratulations, WPI. And Endicott. Let's look at the first touchdown of many against Dean here. And this was a long one by Endicott. Shane McManaway from Joe Koloski. 54 yards. 7-0, that made it. But the final score, 52-10. We kind of saw this coming against 4-5 and five Dean at that time. Uh, 45 unanswered points after trailing 10 to zero, so or 10 to seven, excuse me. So Endicott at least, yeah. uh, you know, had some pressure on them early on, but it was, you know, finally wake up and uh, smell the coffee time for Endicott for the rest of the game. 275 passing yards, six total touchdowns for Joe Koloski. Let's go to the Max Centennial Bowls. No video here. Uh, I probably just assume forget half these things happened, but uh, Susquehanna. Uh, in case you didn't see it earlier, <laughs> in pieces here, uh, they beat Wilkes 88-24. to A team that we thought was going to be uh, really ready for this game, Wilkes, <laughs> not so much. 555-380 to was the yardage. Avian uh, Ellington from Susquehanna with over uh, 200 yards rushing. <laughs> I can't read the last digit because I ripped it. And 175. Uh, so he had 20. He had 20 rushes for 170 oh, rushes. yards. Oh, 20 rushes. That's six touchdowns. That that's what that is. Okay. You know what? He scored a touchdown basically every five, you know, every four or five times he touched the ball. Well, I'm just going to chew on that for the rest of uh, crunch time because it's not crunch <laughs> anymore. I'll tell you that. Uh, Josh yeah. Hopkins. 51, Stevenson 28, the semifinalist of 2018 comes through with the bowl win. David Tamaro with the 22 for 33 days, 282 yards, three touchdowns. And the hop defense, as you call it, three sacks, five tackles for right. loss, and two interceptions. Are we really going to be able to do this for the rest of this? Uh, FNM 31, Misericordia 13. 
as FNM outgame is recorded 455 to 202, 35 plus minute turn of time of possession advantage. And the diplomats, uh, you know, the kids these days call them the diplos, the, the diplos because of the uh, DJ, I think. But we'll call them uh, dips. Okay. All right. Uh, four sacks, six for loss. Yep. And Brady Williams, the magician, unfortunately, uh, not enough magic there. 175 passing, two touchdowns. Let's go to the ECAC Bowls. We have two sets of uh, videos for you on this one. First, we have RPI at Grove City. Let's look at the end of this game because this was a back and forth affair, but Grove City had a big lead. I think it was 17 points at one point, but RPI had taken the lead. Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, it's with 57 seconds left, this pass play. Let's listen to it actually from Grove City. East takes the snap, gonna throw. Looks for Gustafson, gonna fire the ball downfield. Got it. Gustafson, he made the catch, he took it away, and he took it into the end zone for a Wolverine touchdown. He just took the ball away from the defensive back and ran into the end zone. Cody Gustafson from um, Josh East, the 28-yard pass, made it 41-38. But RPI gets the field goal range. Sanjay Krishna is, I mean, automatic from, you know, 25 yards, right? The kick is up, and it is no, no good. good. It's no good. He missed it, and the Wolverines <laughs> win it. It looked like it was good from here, so we, were, you and I both were kind of, but then, yeah. Can't believe that. 41-38, the final. Grove City wins its second straight lineup bowl in the ECAC. Uh, Gustafson with the uh, touchdown and uh, 239 receiving yards. I believe he was the MVP of that game, and uh, you know the rest of the story there. Then let's look at Washington and Jefferson at Ithaca. And Will Gladney in the first quarter gets the first touchdown for Ithaca to make it 10-0 with this 59-yard pass from Joe Germanario. I mean, they look like they were just rolling Ithaca, but things started to get a little interesting in the second half. Finally, with 6.43 left, Germanario makes a mistake here. And uh, Mr. Nanali gets the 50-yard interception return to make it 20-17. But again... The Liberty League team in this game had the chance to win it at the end or tie it, actually. They choose not to go for the tie in fourth and goal from inside the 10. Here's the play, and you can see an odd play choice to actually pitch the ball backward. That's back by a yard. They could have still thrown it from that position, but instead try to run it in from there, and they get three yards short. You can't see in the video, but they were three yards short, and that is it. Ithaca goes down to Washington and Jefferson, 20-17. to and then we also have Brevard, we just talked about, over Carnegie Mellon, 42-28. to As Brevard outgained Carnegie Mellon, 390-193. to Aaron Bennett with nine rushes, 136 yards, and one touchdown. Stefan Kennedy with four sacks, five tackles for loss. And Westminster, poses a price in my book, 35-24 over Morrisville State. A team that was up for this game, we know that from the reaction video. But uh, Westminster's defense forces four turnovers, including two fumbles and two interceptions in the game. In the New York Bowl, Hobart. Well, let's look at their first touchdown in the game also. Mike Giacobbe with the five-yard pass from Ryan Hoffman. Well, in case you don't think he uh, made it in or kept uh, possession of the ball, remember, you can have possession in one hand. And here's a good photo of it. Indeed, he does have it. Still, photos don't tell you whether he kept it or not, but you can see it's firmly in the grasp of his hand. And it's pretty clear to me that he did indeed have that touchdown. Both referees confirmed it in and around the end zone. That made it 10-0. They end up winning 30-10 over Cortland State. 
And the note you have here is Hobart went 3-0 versus the top three Empire 8 teams this season. How many seniors in Hobart this uh, year graduating? 12. That's They're going to have a hell of a 2020 season. Pencil them in as your favorite, possibly, even with Union returning certain players, I would say. We'll see. Okay. They want to reach next year, the NCAAs. That's what these teams had already done this year. Let's talk about the Salisbury bracket first. And Salisbury. Wow. Halftime was 63 to nothing, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it just it got worse. It was 83 to nothing. Uh, Salisbury over SUNY Maritime, I believe, is the worst ever drubbing in an NCAA playoff game uh, in recent history, at the very least. Uh, congratulations, Salisbury, but you cannot carry over points to the uni game. Just want to let you know that. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah. It was one point. Uh, well, actually, one point away from tying this uh, playoff scoring record, but the biggest shutout ever. You do have that note there. And Salisbury outgained SUNY 583-71. 11 rushing and one pass re uh, punt return touchdown. So punt return. Yep. Got it. Union. Wow. We've got plenty of clips to look at here from the Union game. Let's start with the final touchdown scored by Case Western Reserve in the second quarter with 22 seconds left. It's Donald Day with a three-yard run and a 10-play drive made it 21-3 at halftime. Will Bellamy finally comes alive and gets in sync with his receivers. 5.20 left. Here's the first touchdown. Now he's looking for Beal in the end zone. Touchdown, Griffin Beal. A 17-yard touchdown strike. Andrew Santillo and company on the call there. It's Griffin Beal, 17-yard pass. They get 21 to 10. Then, with 10:35 left in the fourth quarter, here's a deja vu all over again. Take it, Santillo. Pressure's coming. They looking for Beal. Touchdown, Griffin Beal. For the second time this afternoon, Bellamy finds Beal. 21 to 16 now after that 16-yard pass play, and the uh, two-point conversion had failed. But, you know, it, it, Case Western Reserve gets within, you know, the red zone area one more time, or just near it, actually. And here's a blocked field goal by Union College's DJ Martin. That is huge. Also huge was earlier in the second half, the uh, quarterback for Case Western Reserve uh, was knocked out a little bit. He was back in the game later Saxon, on. Yeah. Yep, Saxon was knocked out and came back in, but it definitely changed his ability to play in that game. But later on in the fourth quarter, 2.32 left, Andre Ross Jr. finally makes a showing on the scoring sheet. They fake the handoff. Bellamy looking for Ross Jr. Touchdown! Union College! Bellamy finally connects with Ross Jr. 24-21 at that point, but hold on. Still a chance for Case Western Reserve. They get near midfield with time running out. They needed a field goal. 17 seconds left. The game. Here we go. Fourth and 12 from the 37. Saxton. Trying to put something on it. It's intercepted. Intercepted by Joe Vanderhoof. And that'll do it. Union's going to win this game. Joe Vanderhoof with that interception and securing the 18-point comeback, 21 unanswered points by Union to make it 24-21 in one of the most exciting games of the day, at least on the right side of the bracket, I will say. 
24-21. And uh, the accolades there are Will Bellamy with 235 passing yards, three touchdowns, Union's defense with two sacks, eight tackles for loss. We said coming in, we thought that Union had the better defense, and lo and behold, it proves itself in the second half. First half, not so much, but that was where the game was going to be won or lost, we thought. Ultimately, they won it with that big hit on Saxton. Uh, take me through the, uh, your thoughts on that game before we continue. Well, I mean, I think it, what it boiled down to, Frank, was the fact that, um, you know, Irabor was kind of being uh, shut down in the first half. The uh, Union defense was on their heels a little bit, and, and Bellamy just couldn't quite get in rhythm with his receivers. Uh, going to halftime, Coach Behrman and company made the adjustments. They really started leaning on Beal uh, a lot more um, as a possession receiver, and that kind of got the offense going a little more. And, uh, you know, just got to credit to, um, you know, William there. Just got the win, three touchdowns in the second half, and defense came up with some key stops with the block to, you know, field goal, and then, you know, the interception at the end of the game to, to hang on. So uh, they have a tall order going up against uh, Salisbury next weekend. We'll, we'll get into that a little later this week, but big win for Union. Would have been, uh, been tough for them to come out and lose that one, I think, but um, you know, credit Case Western Reserve. They had a good game plan. It worked for the first half. Second half kind of went the Dutchman's way. Let's go on now to the bottom half of the Salisbury bracket. First, Brockport 33, Western New England 28. Let's take a look at three touchdowns in particular. First, Brockport, which was down 14 to 7, or actually it was a 14 to 6 early on, I, I think it was. Uh, they uh, Western New England, right yeah, Western New England started pouring it on, uh, but Brockport caught fire in the second half. Here's a touchdown, a 53-yard run by Jalay Code to make it 26 to 14 with 14-20 left in the fourth quarter. But again, Western New England was never say die in this game. Adam Raza from Brendan Smith. Now we understand in retrospect, Al Coleman, who did get a little uh, knocked around in the first half. He actually had gotten injured from, remember that receiving touchdown we talked about last week? That actually yeah. caused an injury when he got hit late in that play and uh, was nursing a shoulder injury of sorts. We didn't realize it at the time, but he tried to go in this game. He did come back a couple of times that we saw when we uh, featured in this game. But here's the uh, play. Raza from Brendan Smith, 19-yard uh, touchdown pass to make it 26-21, 9.50 left. There is still a chance here for Western New England. But again, another long drive by Brockport like they did against Alfred earlier in the season. And scoring on it, it was the huge part. This time it wasn't a field goal. It was a touchdown because Freddie June had the 22-yard run after the 8-play 5-minute and 12-second drive to make it 33-21. Eventually, Western New England would score one more time, but it was too little too late. The final was 33-28 Brockport. There was definitely a scare in this game and definitely some questions about Brockport's quarterback situation. But at the end of the day, Brockport pulls it out against the home team. They're going to be on the road again against Muhlenberg, who will be MIT in kind of a listless game, 38 to nothing. It was 14 to 0 for a while, though, in that first half. And we thought MIT might have the ability to at least make it a one possession game. Never were able to get on the board, though. Uh, they outgained MIT to Muhlenberg 400 to 95 Michael Nekowski with three touchdowns but you know preview your thoughts here Brockport struggles Muhlenberg doesn't do they have a chance in that game here's just a preview question for Wednesday 
Well, I don't know if I would say that Muhlenberg didn't struggle because it was, like you said, 14 nothing. They were, you know, they're coming to this game, the number four ranked team in the country against MIT, which you know, uh, had to had to uh, kind of come back and scrape back to even get in the tournament in the first place. Uh, but really the second half, uh, the Mules started to pull away. Their defense asserted itself. I mean, Brockport, um, I mean, Western New England is a good football team. Um, you know, they, they're they probably the best football team in New England. Uh, they have a couple of great receivers in uh, Fedorchek and, uh, and Raza, who uh, yeah, made some plays. The quarterback situation, I mean, I thought Smith acquitted himself well in, in relief of Coleman. Um, and so at the end of the day, pretty evenly matched. Um, you know, Brockport, though, still kind of one-dimensional. Um, Running, running game primarily, although uh, June did have some nice uh, passes and we saw guys like Ortiz make some plays, um, things like that. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, Brockport stuck with its game plan. It worked for them. Um, their defense, I think, struggled a little more than they thought, but that could have been, they, they might have underestimated uh, Western New England to a certain extent, um, or at least, uh, you know, Western New England had better athletes uh, than, than maybe we gave them credit for going into that one. So. Um, great game between both teams. At the end of the day, the rushing attack of uh, Brockport sort of hung in there, and, and that was the difference. Let's go to the Mount Union bracket. We're going to start uh, the bottom half, obviously, of that bracket because the top two games weren't East Region-based uh, games. Framingham State at Wesley was uh, number one. How do you start a game well if you're Wesley? Here's how, according to Sean Green. Pack collects at the 17, near side 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, Pack center to the 10, it's gone, 50, 40, 30, no flags, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Wesley, 84 yards, Wesley leads 6-0. Well, there's one way, 84-yard kickoff return by Marcellus Pack, 7-0 start right there. Let's look at another touchdown, this one a pass from freshman. Drew Fry. Good pocket, throwing deep over the middle, looking for Ron Peel. He's got it in stride. Touchdown, Wesley. 38 yards. It's 13-0. 38-yard pass there from Fry made it 14-0. Just three minutes and 18 seconds into the game. Yeah, six minutes later. Drew Fry said, let me do it again. A lot of quarterbacks at this level. Two wide receivers to the left, Creedle right. Drew Fry in the shotgun. Fry. Read option throwing across the middle and into the hands of Mike Creedle. Touchdown, Wesley. The inside slant and the Wolverines lead 20 to nothing. This time to Mike Cradle for the 20 to nothing lead. It was in the end 58 to 21, Wesley. Drew Fry 24 for 28. He was 12 for 12, I think, at one point. You said 345 yards more by like touchdown. 19 for 19 at some point. I mean, he, he, he had one of the best debuts of any. Uh, D3 player that I think I've ever seen. I mean, I, I literally think his first incompletion came when he was around 18 or 19 passes thrown. I mean, he was unbelievable in that game and has totally transformed the Wolverines. Uh, they are a much more dangerous team now, I think, going forward than I even thought they would be. Uh, I was just blown away by how, how strong of a quarterback that he that It's a totally different team now, Wesley, and I think actually they're, they're probably pretty big favorites uh, against Del Val uh, coming up this weekend. Let me just tell you, they were unranked in my uh, final uh, regular season ballot, and uh, I would rank, rank them now easily uh, after seeing that performance oh, yeah. with the conversion of quarterback. Jake Knapp, the nephew of uh, Chip Knapp, was on the boards pretty hard, selling uh, us on uh, Drew Fry and how good he's going to be or would be. Oh, Jake, 
You're right, buddy. You're right. And let's go to the DelVal Bridgewater game at Bridgewater. This was a back and forth affair. And just how back and forth was it? Let's show you the first quarter. 8.30 left in the first quarter. Here's Josh Davis with a 13-yard pass from Anthony Fontana for DelVal to make it 7-0. But 12 seconds later, well, they apparently saw Marcellus Pack do it in uh, Wesley. So Bridgewater said, we're going to return one to the house. Gerard Denman, an 87-yard kickoff return, makes it 7-7. Let's fast forward. Bridgewater had a lead, uh, I think a nine-point lead at one point, and they got chipped away at, and eventually DelVal surpasses them. And lo and behold, they, at 23-19, with a chance still for Bridgewater to come back in this game, Vincent DeLeo, a 16-yard scoop and score for Delaware Valley, makes it 30-19. That is not your final. Bridgewater did get a field goal to get within one possession, but couldn't get the onside kick. 30-22 was the final score. Four sacks for Delaware Valley, six tackles for loss in the in an interception. We, we just talked about the Vincent DeLeo fumble recovery for touchdown. And Anthony Fontana, I can't speak enough good things about him overall. 218 passing yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, but forgivable as he got that team back in the game. JB, that is crunch time. For week 12, I'm still tasting Susquehanna right now for some reason, but that is crunch time for week 12. <laughs> I don't want to be gross at this point, so I'm just going to keep going with it. Uh, but yeah. paper does not disappear easily yeah, with saliva. Just going to tell you. Yeah, no. It doesn't really work that well for I gotta, you, Frank. Yeah, I got to be careful. I'm in a, a high-fiber diet right now, so we may have to end the show soon. Um, <laughs> JB. You're not going to like what I have to do to, uh, to you to, for this intro, but after you brought up my pathetic performance in predictions on Friday, or at least the one pathetic performance, here's our intro to your next segment. JB's stat chat. He's going to chat about stats. Hope you didn't mind the use of those uh, X's and everything uh, during the JB Stat Chat theme. Just saying. Yeah, I had a, I kind of had a rough uh, had a rough one, but hey, you know, still hanging on to the top of the leaderboard. But yeah, not one of my better showings. I uh, as I said at the top of the show, underestimated a few uh, teams, a few conferences, but got most of the playoff games right. So I guess that's good, right? Hit hit your stat chat, buddy. Okay, so uh, a lot of this we've already kind of covered, so I won't uh, spend a ton of time here. I guess a couple things that jump out, um, you know, once again, kind of a shout out to to Sean McAllen on a great career at WPI, almost 4,000 yards rushing. Uh, we had a couple of players with, you know, six touchdowns, including uh, Kowalski as well as uh, Ellington from Susquehanna. <coughs> Susquehanna. Uh, they scored a lot of points. So did so did uh, uh, Salisbury. Um, Salisbury's defense also pitched a, a kind of a historic shutout of sorts. And Muhlenberg um, also shut out MIT. Uh, you know, we we got a nice shout out from the Tornadoes there in North Carolina. So I mean, uh, four sacks, five tackle for a loss performance by Stefan uh, Kennedy was pretty impressive. Um, but, Tornadoes. Uh, you know, this was your official symbol for that, you know. Yeah, the uh, Corey Williams and Mike Brewer uh, from Wesley with a couple of really long uh, pick sixes in that one. Um, you know, 
Vincent DeLeo with a 16-yard scoop and score, which was pretty – uh, pretty huge in that game against Bridgewater because that that the timing was basically right near the last five minutes or so of the fourth quarter with the game still in doubt. That kind of pushed DelVal over the top and and uh, basically won them the game, uh, which had been a, a back and forth affair for a while. Uh, you mentioned Mac had the I think the 84 yard kick return for touchdown, but how about Hobart freshman Rayshon Boswell for the second week in a row? He's running back uh, kickoffs for. Over 95 yards. I think he leads the nation in, in kickoff returns uh, at this point uh, with with a couple touchdowns. Uh, pretty impressive outing for, for this young man. And, you know, he's one of these, you know, several underclassmen that Hobart will be bringing back uh, to hopefully defend that New York Bowl or something else in, in 2020. We'll see. Uh, but lots of uh, lots of great performances across the board. And, and since we – I guess the, the one thing I probably should have added here, Frank, was – you know, the, the WPI defense and special teams, I mean, they uh, allowed zero rushing yards uh, to, to Western Connecticut, had four takeaways, 19 quarterback hits, a uh, rough day for David James and company, and blocked two kicks. So real impressive defensive performance there. Should have added them to this uh, to this slide, but I did Credit get to it Matt Noonan. Credit to Matt yes. Noonan on calling me out for yes. this. <laughs> you know what, Matt, you're right. You win. Uh, one other thing, yeah, we've done it. We've done it two weeks in a row, so let's get it right at this point because he deserves it. Um, I believe it's Marcellus Pack uh, from Wesley. Pack. Yep, not, not Mac. Mac. Yep, but though I, if I'm you thinking can, of Marlon uh, Mac down here in Florida. <laughs> well, I'm thinking uh, maybe he wants to be like uh, Chicago's uh, Mac, but uh, he's probably a little bit smaller than him uh, and not as good at defense. Ultimately, that said, um, let's look at the eight remaining playoff games coming up. The uh, round of 16 for Saturday. We have some really good games uh, in the lineup here. We'll start in the Salisbury bracket, obviously. Number 13, Union, at number 6, Salisbury. I should be attending that game, weather permitting. Uh, That's the plan right now. So you know how it works. We'll probably have a little pregame something or other on Twitter or otherwise. We'll announce it later in the week uh, what our plan is during the game. We'll be tweeting out videos. And uh, we'll have some postgame reaction, obviously, no matter who wins in that game, because we do have two East Region teams going at it there. Then also on the bottom side of that bracket, we have the Brockport-Muhlenberg game. Brockport unranked number four, Muhlenberg. This may be actually one of the two worst imbalanced games remaining, but it's Brockport versus Muhlenberg. That should tell you what kind of playoffs we have left here at the end of the day. Uh, you know, unranked Brockport at number four, Muhlenberg. <laughs> but as you said, Brockport's got a shot here. If Muhlenberg kind of yeah. plays a, you know, semi-listless game in the first half, unless Brockport maybe get a touchdown or two, Brockport's got a better offense, we think, than MIT does right now. So they, they probably have a Definitely. chance to score early. We'll see what happens in that game. In the uh, lower bracket on the right side, it's Mount Union. Number five, North Central coming into number one, Mount Union. I mean, North game. Central didn't look tremendous to me against Wabash at times, but in the end, they did handle them pretty well. Uh, Mount Union, they, they were Mount Union uh, you know, against Hanover. Hanover got a couple scores on them, but not when it mattered, uh, ultimately. Well, maybe Hanover made it 14-7, to I think, at one point, or 21-7, to but Mount Union responded like right away. So don't expect miracles in this game is what I'm saying, but we'll see what happens. North Central is a team that... Took them to the wire a few years back, 
Uh, and Kevin Burke had to run in, I believe, the two-point conversion to win that game in the snowy field at Mount Union uh, in Alliance, Ohio that time. So not necessarily the same teams here, obviously, but just remember, North Central plays with a lot of pride out there when they play in Alliance. And then on the bottom side, rematch, number nine, DelVal, number 10, Wesley. Technically, the score would tell you in that first game that it should be number nine, Wesley, number 10, DelVal. Uh, but <laughs> Wesley uh, wins it in four overtimes, but is now lesser ranked, maybe thanks to the points I'm not giving them, uh, or at least didn't give them in the last uh you know, the poll, I guess. Yep. Yeah, sorry, guys. But there's the matchup. Um, you know, with Drew Fry, it's probably a game changer of sorts. But Anthony Fontana, to Definitely. me, is a better quarterback now than he was when they played the first time. Does that That's balance? True. I don't know. I, I don't think it does. But I would give Wesley the advantage right now. But not by too much. Uh, probably not a 40-point game type thing or 35-point game like we saw in uh, the Framingham State situation. Left side, we'll yep. go through quickly here, right? Because no East Region teams at stake. But the, the what I call the most lopsided game remaining, though Huntington uh, pulled the upset against uh, Barry on Saturday. It's Huntington at number two, Mary Harden Baylor. Tough game, no doubt for Huntington. Uh, but Mary Harden Baylor only had 250 yards of offense against, I think, 236 for Redlands. Their offense wasn't the star of that game, even though Jace Hammock had three touchdowns. It was the defense in that game. And so we'll see if the offense can step up and maybe get more of a Mary Harden-Baylor-like 400 yards of offense instead of 250. That's going to be very necessary as they continue in the playoff run that they're trying to put together. On the lower side of the bracket, challenging game. Number 22, Wartburg versus the freshmen of Whitewater, uh, doing their best Wesley impression or vice versa, perhaps. Number seven, Whitewater, hosting Wartburg. Wartburg handled Hope pretty easily, and Whitewater had their own pretty easy go of it on Saturday. And so with that, I'm not sure what to expect in this game besides the fact that Whitewater is the better ranked team. Um, then we'll just round it up before I ask you your thoughts on the left side of the bracket. On the lower side, it is Wheaton, number three in the nation, hosting number 24 Central, who survived overtime, a two-point conversion that was not made by Oshkosh. After coming back from a 21-point deficit Central had to and scoring first in overtime, give kudos to Oshkosh. I would have won for two there on the road without momentum at that point. You, you got to do something to try to get out of there with that win, I think, at that point. They tried, couldn't get the completion. Central wins it. And now they have to face number three in the nation. And on the bottom side, St. John survives Don Beebe and Aurora. And Chapman survives Linfield in triple overtime, one of the highest scoring Crazy. Combined scoring uh, playoff games in history. or something like that? Yep, yeah. something like that. Uh, incredible wow. game there by Chapman and the walk-off in triple overtime. It is at Chapman, a rare day these days when a second-round game is going to be played on the West Coast, but it's happening. You would think it would be yeah. Linfield hosting it. It's not. It's Chapman. And St. John's will have to travel to there. So uh, the, the lower-ranked team, or the worst-ranked team, is hosting... Because the E3Football.com rankings don't matter. So, okay, left side of the bracket, what do you think? Or I guess it's left side of the bracket, what do you think about those uh, teams that we have lined up there? We've talked enough about the East. Well, I think um, from what I, from what I remember watching on some of the, the bracket blitz show on D3Football.com is Wheaton looked real good. Um, they, they have a complement of both a strong 
running attack. They can pass. Their defense was strong. I still think that they're probably um, – they might actually be the best team on that side of the bracket because there's something – something's going on with Mary Harden Baylor that's just been a little bit off uh, all season. Defense, they rolled over Redlands, though, really, when you get down to it. But, again, the offense wasn't the cause of it. Yeah. The defense is is championship quality for sure. But something's going on with that offense, and I'm not quite, you know, I think I, I have some opinions about it. But, yeah, at the end of the day, they're they're getting the job done. It's just it doesn't look like a championship caliber offensive team. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they're the D3 version of the 2000 Baltimore Ravens where – you know, you just have a quarterback that's limited um, and they can run the ball a little bit. But honestly, the defense is so strong, it almost doesn't matter who's playing uh, offense because they're just going to be able to shut teams down and they're not going to probably we, we see anyone. We thought that two years ago, JB. We really did, that yeah, that defense was going to be able true. to carry them that year with Finene and company. And in the end, Carl Robinson the third and his offense couldn't put it together. TJ Josie was injured. We know that. That's but, true, yeah. In the stag bowl, it finally bit them. They got all the way to the stag bowl in that situation, but yeah, they, they may not this year because the way White Wheaton's looking. I mean, even Whitewater with the the weird sort of loss to to Oshkosh at the end of the season. There's a lot of still you know, some tough teams on that left side, and I don't think the crew going back to the stag bowl is guaranteed. Not at all. Their third and fourth round games, the quarters and the semis are going to be tough no matter who gets through now. Chapman can put yeah. up points against Linfield the way they did last yesterday. That's incredible yeah, to me. Surprising. Wheaton, you just talked about it. St. John's took him to the mat uh, just about last year in uh, the quarterfinal game, and uh, finally, uh, Mirhorn Baylor wins that one. Um, yeah. Whitewater, I have to same give, yeah, issues. I have to give I have to give Chapman a, some extra props because when I lived in California for about thirteen years, I did go see some Skyac games in person. And to be honest, like they they looked sort of comparable to um, some of the New England uh, teams. Maybe you know Calu and the and the Redlands game you know looked a little bit like a like a Union Hobart. There was there certainly wasn't a top echelon type of feel to those programs. But clearly something's going on uh, these days. It's been you know seven some t- you know ten years since I last you know watched a, a game in person out there. So. Obviously, they've done a great job you know, building these programs up. And now Chapman, hey, if they're taking care of Linfield. Uh, that's a legit win right there. Well said. Um, I need to go find a garbage can. Um, that said, um, we will be back <laughs> on Wednesday, uh, hopefully making uh, some uh, good information available to you and getting you some entertainment. In, uh, while, you do your, uh, while you take care of this, this paper thing, we, we should at least say, and, and you sent a tweet out earlier um, today being Sunday, uh, the amount of um, interaction we've had uh, in the last week with uh, fans, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, people who have sons who play Division three football, um, the amount of uh, interactions from the, 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 the numbers, the sheer volume, plus the amount of actual time that people uh, watched the programs we put out was probably not you know a record. It's it's got to be way up there. I mean, no, oh, I think uh, it's a record. We certainly, yeah, I, yeah, I can I remember that. Appreciate it. 
Yeah, I know. Was it like 25,000 hours of viewing or minutes. something crazy like that? Minutes. <laughs> it's 25,000 yeah. okay. minutes. <laughs> it probably feels like, if these shows probably feel like a minute is an hour um, with the way that we can't shut up. But um, yeah, so my wife says I tend to embellish, so we'll just leave it at that. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> really now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to say thanks. Thanks, folks, not, for watching. Not, yeah, okay. I'm going to save you right now. Be well. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs>